0: I-V-M. BQ Big Decisions The Bloomberg Quinn Podcast that helps you make the right financial choices. A job loss can turn your life upside down. When it happens, though people tell you to look on the bright side and that it isn't the end of the world, all you can think of is the rent that you still haven't paid and the bills that are due. And while a loss of employment is universally gut-wrenching, depending on your context, it could actually hit you much harder than it would somebody else. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Alex Matthew and this is BQ Big Decisions. On today's podcast, we'll speak about job loss, how to safeguard against the disruption that it causes and what to do if it catches you unawares. Just a quick point here, we've also done this podcast in Hindi, so if you or someone that you know would rather listen to that one, it's available on the website com and on the various podcast platforms that we're present on. Joining me now is Harsh Radhan Rungta, Certified Financial Planner and Founder of Rumta Security. Thanks so much, Harsh, for joining me today. My pleasure. Now. Hush, not everyone gets impacted the same way. Context is important with everything that we speak about in personal finance. But it would affect you differently if you're early in your career and you lose a job, if your spouse is working, if and however unlikely this seems, your spouse loses the job at the same time as you do. And if you're towards the end of your career, I'd like to speak to you about some of these topics. But before we do, let's quickly address um, emergency fund. And and that's the concept that we speak about first when we're talking about personal finance. But it's also something that is back of mind for a lot of people.
1: Yeah, you're right, Alex. You know, the point is, we have so many things in our lives to take care of. I mean, we have a retirement to think about, we have children's education, marriage, we have to buy a, a shelter for ourselves, could be so many other different things. And invariably, we all have limited resources. So we, given whatever disposable income we have, and the surpluses for investments, it's not always that we can fund for all our requirements. Mm. So what takes the first hit? It is going to be the uh, emergency funds. Why? Because you believe that you're in a job, in a secure job where you get, uh, you're going to get a regular income Mm. and uh, you don't hope, nor do you even wish to think about a situation where you'd be out of job, especially abruptly. Yes. I mean, it would be your choice to leave job to join somebody else, Mm. but not your employer to overnight tell you that, sorry, we don't require you anymore. Correct.
0: So, you know, it's not something that uh, we would wish anybody go through. But in the event that it does happen, the emergency fund is absolutely critical, very quickly, so that we close this topic and move on to what somebody can do if they don't have an emergency fund. How many months worth of expenses would you say is ideal to keep? So as you said, you know, it's very
1: subjective to the circumstances a person is so if you have a double income family, kind of two people working your emergency fund requirements may be slightly lesser. Yes. If you're the only earning member of the family, then of course, you need to have a larger amount of money. It depends on how many dependents you have, mm. what is the kind of lifestyle that you have. So it depends on various factors. Mm. However, if you were just to understand it in simple words, would be if you are uh, qualified, if you're a professionally qualified employee. Mm. Uh, there is a possibility of you getting a job soon, fairly quickly, fairly quickly, as compared to somebody who's an unskilled labor for that matter. And if you're working in an organized sector, and uh, with one of the largest companies, it's you know, the chances of you being laid off is slightly lesser than somebody else. Yeah. So putting all these factors in mind and the limited uh, resources that we all have, I mean, I think a three months uh, expenses
0: would be a decent amount of corpus to be created for the moment. And if you're in the unorganized sector, then that would mean that you need to keep longer.
1: Absolutely. So, I mean, as far as possible, uh, you would want to make sure that at least six months of your expenses are taken care of Mm. because you might not land up a job that you wish to have Mm. or you may not get something at all. In either cases, you may want to at one point just secure something and then look out for moving somewhere else. In In all such cases, you will need to have money available for at least six months of your expenses.
0: And I would assume, Harsh, that this includes all sorts of expenses, especially the ones that you can't avoid. And that includes your EMI payments, most certainly.
1: Most ideally, yes. I mean, uh, when you say your monthly expenses, we're talking about existing, which includes your children's education, EMIs, includes everything. If you can ideally prepare up to that, it's great. If not, then you would have to start breaking down to say that there are there some expenses that I can avoid it for mm. some time mm. and so on. So ideally, yes. Include your EMIs as well, because your financier, your lender is not going to be kind to you. Yeah, They have their own compulsions to recover the EMIs. Yes. So uh,
0: you have to pay EMIs. So try and ideally include it. Okay. Let's now talk about uh, the event of the job loss. It's like I said at the start of the conversation, gut-wrenching. It's not something that you foresee at all. Uh, but in the event that it does happen, and if it is something that is happening across the board in your company or in your industry you are well within your rights to ask for a severance pay.
1: Yes. uh, So uh, many corporates, especially the larger ones, the formalized sector that I talked about, uh, would have a policy wherein they would give you a severance pay because they understand that you're going to take time before you get another job. So what Mm. happens to your expenses for two or three months? So usually we will see that you will have these kind of uh, severance pays for about two to three months of Mm. your salary. Mm. So that at least you have time and you have a breathing space Mm. and you're not suddenly suffocated for funds.
0: So if you don't have an emergency fund, this could potentially work as one.
1: Yes. And you should be, uh, you know, praying if in case you don't have an emergency fund, that this definitely comes through.
0: Mm, Absolutely. What if you don't? Then, you know, in that situation, suppose you don't have an emergency fund and you don't have a severance pay either. You're in a really tight spot do you then liquidate your other assets? Yes, absolutely. So this we are
1: assuming again that uh, you've made certain investments, not for emergency fund, but at least you have made for long-term requirements. Mm. So which could be for retirement, which could be for anything else, your children's higher education, etc. Looking at the scenario that you're in right now, I think it's completely fair for you to even withdraw out of that. Okay. So uh, ideally we say do not look at these long term funds, do not try and redeem out of it because you lose the power of compounding. Yeah. But if you're in an emergency situation where your present living is a problem, mm. you don't really have funds lying around for your future. Mm. I mean it's not logically possible mm. and at the same time you're not going to be able to do it. You yeah. cannot simply just say I'm not going to touch this fund at all and I will try and do something today. You have to live today.
0: You have to feed yourself and your family. So the first thing I would assume Harsh that you do in the situation is sit down take a breath try to calm down and list out the kind of expenses that you have over the next 3 months or so and then identify that much if you don't have it in a contingency fund to try and bridge the gap you liquidate that much right yeah
1: so uh, as you rightly said the first thing is to actually calm down or you know the you know it's been a temporary problem for you it's not that you know you've permanently lost your job forever so first you need to accept that fact that something bad has happened mm. Okay. And you are going to deal with it. Okay. So that you have to mentally be prepared. Sure. Calm down. As you said, just start jotting down all things on paper. I mean Mm. that, you know, just absolutely declutters your mind. Actually, you know, so you put down your income, uh, your investments that you have in one place Mm. and then you put down your expenses on the other side. Mm. Now, when you put down all your investments in one place, then you start looking at it and thinking if I have to withdraw, where do I withdraw from? you jot down your expenses and you start putting them into different brackets. Hmm. The first one being there are some expenses you cannot avoid at all. So these are your utility bills, your food, clothing, shelter, rent, rent, taxes. So these are the things that you have to pay whether you have an income or no. Yeah. So these are first set of expenses which are on priority list. Mm. The second one you have which can be delayed, which means that, okay, they have to be paid, but I can take a breather. I can pay them after, say, probably two or three months Mm. and I will repay it. So it is kind of a, you know, uh, uh, a loan kind of a thing that you have to pay. Mm. But, okay, you can try and say that, give me some breathing space on that. And the third one is all your discretionary expenses. When you say that these are the things uh, that I will cut down completely, like entertainment,
0: the, eating out, absolutely, um, you know, going, using your car sometimes.
1: Absolutely, you can use public transport to cut
0: down cost. So, and and would you put EMIs in in a, in a different? So, housing loan is something that you can't miss payments on, right? So, you would put that in a different basket.
1: Yes. So, what I would do is, uh, as I said, the first category of expenses oh, it includes that. Okay. Yeah. So, first category of expenses are your utility bills, etc. Sure. Now, EMIs, the good part is that you can go to your financer, you can Mm. talk to your uh, lender and simply tell them that this is a situation you're going through. Mm. You have to demonstrate that you're willing to pay. It's just that you're not able to pay right now. And you try and ask them, is there something that you can do for me so that only for this temporary period, I get some breather from you. Okay. So, which could include, uh, you know, that if you've been paying your loans for some time, you can get a top-up loan. Yeah. Which you can use to pay off your EMIs in that period. Which,
0: in that situation, would actually be the cheapest loan that's available to you.
1: Uh, it's. Uh, we're talking about a housing loan, for instance. So, invariably, your rate of interest on the loan would be about eight and a half to nine percent. Mm. If that is the case, so it's in short, getting a loan at that point in time at the same rate of your housing loan. Yeah. Which you can use to pay off your continue paying your EMIs. Or you go to, you ask your lender that if you can give him some, if he can give you some leeway in terms of extending the loan,
0: tenure of the loan. So if EMI, EMI refinancing, comes down, Refinancing yeah. the loan. Uh, we did, in fact, actually, uh, Harsh speak to a couple of lenders. And we asked them if at all it was possible to get a break in the payment. And they said, regulatorily, uh, that is not something that they can consider. in that you cannot stop uh, pay- payment of EMI. But the options that you did suggest are what they spoke about as well. But I would think when you're refinancing a loan, it would only be beneficial to you if you've actually paid a significant amount of the of the principal.
1: Yes. So uh, let's look at a situation. You've taken a loan for 20 year tenure and you've just been it's just been two or three years that you've paid. uh, You know, your EMIs have started. Sure. So in the initial years the contribution that you're making as a part of EMI, the major part of it goes towards interest servicing. Hmm. So the principal repayment
0: has been negligible. It's actually very interesting that you say that because a lot of people don't know that. So I would actually encourage people to look up, uh, say an SBI EMI calculator and see because they give you a breakup of what portion of the EMI is interest and what portion is principal. And you will see a gradation or rather uh, a uh, in descending order, the amount of uh, payments that are made towards interest and the amounts that are made towards principal, and you will see exactly what Harsh is saying is that in the initial months and years, your payments towards the principal are much lower than the payments towards interest. So, really, if you are prepaying your loan, you are actually much better off than somebody who hasn't.
1: Absolutely. So, in fact, at the uh, at, at the end of a financial year, you're also taking a statement from your uh, lender. That is to ascertain the interest uh, deduction that you will want to Mm. take. So what is the interest component? So in the first year, if you're supposed to take that statement and you look at the breakup of interest and the principal amount, you will see that you've hardly paid anything towards the principal. Correct. So uh, in that situation, now you're looking for refinancing in the sense you go back to your lender and you say that I want to extend the tenure of the loan. Mm. So only the principal amount that you've paid will actually be considered as a refinancing option. Correct. And if the interest payment has been negligible, I mean, if your principal payment has been negligible, that's the exact amount of loan that you're uh, further entitled to.
0: What if it's a, a car loan? Uh, if push comes to shove, uh, Harsh, would you say that you should get rid of the car? Yes,
1: why not? I mean, uh, a car is something that is falling under the third category that we spoke about, mm-hmm. you know, it's something that you can avoid, something that you should get rid of. So in fact, if you have a car loan on you, the EMIs are going to be heavy, of course, mm-hmm. because car loans are not technically more than five years in yes. tenure. So whatever is the EMI is going to be pretty large. Now, it does make sense to knock off the car, though it may be at a loss because it's a highly depreciating asset. So not necessarily that you may get the value that you want. But in any case, it gets rid of the EMI on you. Mm. And it actually puts away an asset which is depreciating. Mm.
2: Okay. So
0: why not get rid of it? And you can always come back and buy a car once you settle back into your job. Okay, so we've talked about loans and okay. what to do. And you should, uh, ideally, and this is something that's come from uh, the lenders that we spoke to. You must go to your lender and appraise them of the situation as soon as you have, if you have been retrenched, uh, because it helps you at a later date if your lender is aware in advance that something is going wrong. Uh, so basically, take stock of your expenses. In a situation where there's a shortfall and if you have a credit card, would you say that using a credit card is your last option available?
1: Yes. Uh, so a credit card is like a pre-approved loan for you, mm. which means that it's a limit available mm. and at a swipe without asking anybody, you can just simply go and swipe and uh, you know start using it. So it's a pre-approved loan for you mm. available. Mm. However, since it's a credit card loan, it's an unsecured loan, that rate of interest is very high on it. Yeah. So in case you do not pay up the minimum uh, amount or the com- uh, you know full amount, the interest charge is really huge. So it re- varies from say about 36% to
0: almost 48%. So so be very, very careful when you're be using it. Be very
1: careful. Uh, yes, in worst case scenario, you will use it mm. because you need to fund yourself. Yeah. So this is that kind of limit that is available. And some people do use it as an emergency fund. Mm. So you do use it, no worries just make sure you're using it very prudently. You do not just because there is a limit of 5 lakhs doesn't mean that you have to swipe it for 5 lakhs.
0: Because you could very easily fall into a debt trap. Absolutely. Okay, so we spoke a little bit about um, liquidating your long term investments if you don't have enough uh, money to take care of your immediate needs. Is there a a uh, uh, ranking of your long term investments in that which would you liquidate first, or does that depend entirely on context?
1: so it depends on context. I mean you know you know let 's not put anything as a fixed method to do because if we were to say that you know the first thing that you should withdraw is out of your fixed deposits mm. and the last thing you should do is equities. Mm. If we were to say that, assume that equity markets are you know booming and you're in a profit over there. And uh, if you were to remove uh, out of your FD, a premature FD, there is a penalty to be levied. Yes. Then, of course, you will remove your equity investments first. Mm. Mm. I mean, when compared to fixed deposits. Sure. It also depends how likely are you to get a job soon. Mm. So if in case you were not supposed to, I mean, you believe that the job market is slow generally, Mm. uh, though you are skilled and, uh, you know, qualified. Uh, it's still going to be, you may assume three months, but it may extend to six months. Correct. And And it depends uh, on the market. It depends on the job market, depends on economy, many other things. So if you remove your fixed deposit at first instance and pay a penalty on it,
0: Mm.
1: three, four months later, the market start start doing bad. Mm. Then you also lose out on the valuations and equity. Yes. So, uh, well, it is highly subjective Mm. to a couple of things. Mm. And uh, I think you should not form a fixed format Mm. and just go with the flow. Hmm. and see what is liquidable without any penalty in the first place hmm. and uh, or with the least amount of penalty with the least amount of penalty and then try and uh, you know decide make a decision at that point in time
0: so one of the uh, one of the instruments that we haven't yet spoken about is the employees provident fund and there's a a very clear uh, prescription within the law that allows you to withdraw 75% of the amount that you save after one month of being unemployed, Correct. and the rest of it after two months. Is that something that you should consider? And, and does that depend on what stage of your career you are at? Uh, well, at, at the, in case of emergency, you really don't have a choice, quite honestly.
1: You cannot say that I'm in the beginning of my career, or I'm in the end of my career, so I will not touch my EPF. Yes. So the idea is, again, I mean, if you need funds, and if you do not have investments to take care of them, it's better to use and withdraw out of EPF than to use your credit card.
0: And and this is assuming that you don't have any other long-term investments that you can break, right? Yes, most certainly. Then you will have to remove out of it. Hmm. So, you know, when it comes to emergency
1: situations, then, you know, most of the logics fail. Hmm. I mean, you do not talk about uh, why should I remove out of my retirement corpus. So retirement is at after age 60 and you've been retrenched at
0: 40. So hmm. 20 years, you're not going to wait for retirement. But, you know, so this is interesting. You mentioned ages and I, I do want to understand... It is true that certain people could be worse affected uh, by a job loss. Let's talk about a few of these cases. So, for example, somebody who's just joined the workforce, but is in an industry that's going into a downturn and therefore has been laid off, is living on rent in a city that he's not from or she is not from. What do they do? Do they take a break, perhaps try to educate themselves, look at a break in employment, go back home?
1: So, well, again, it's very subjective, uh, but it's a very common phenomena because, you know, if I, if, if there is a company and they want to, uh, you know, get uh, you know, lay off people and reduce the workforce, mm. the first thing they're going to remove people who they're not the least dependent on. Yes. So if you're a new recruit, uh, you know, though you may be low on cost for them, but they may want to just, you know, retain their top talent mm. uh, so that they can survive longer. So vulnerability so is high. Vulnerability with the newer recruits is obviously higher. Yeah. And uh, that could happen to you. The good part about a situation like this is that you may not have too many liabilities to take care mm. of at that point mm. in time. Mm. Considering a person who's uh, married with children, so the liabilities the responsibilities are higher. Mm. So if you just got into workforce and you're not married, you don't have children, mm. you, don't, you have less responsibility and liabilities. Mm. You're far more flexible to move into say probably a, a hostel kind of an accommodation like a YMCA or something like that hmm. that you can't do if you have a family with children right. yeah or you can move to another city go back to your parents hmm. you know so you know don't be disheartened it's the first thing I yeah. mean, you know because it's a very it's a very shocking thing to do that you know you've just got your first job and then you'll been laid off yeah I mean it leaves a scar on your mind all, all the time
0: but so, you would also think Harsh that these individuals because they're just starting their career would be more employable than somebody who's already specialized in uh, you know in a, in a market that is saturated yes absolutely
1: because uh, again you know your expectation that yourself is not too much mm. I mean considering somebody who's been a general manager level at a company and he gets retrenched for whatever reason yeah he would most certainly want to join somewhere else as a general manager. Yes. I mean, you don't want to go down, though you may not have a choice. Mm. But, uh, you know, his last drawn salary was in five figures. Mm. Uh, So obviously, his expensive lifestyle is five figures. So he would also want to get another job in five
0: figures. So let's talk about such a such an individual, somebody who is a single earner, mm. and who is supporting a family, it's not easy to manage. Uh, How do they go about it? Do they have a slightly different approach?
1: Uh, well, not really. So we're expecting that a person who reaches up to that level will be mid 40s. Hmm. I mean, if you're in mid 40s, you're expected to buy then and if you're a general manager level em- uh, employee yeah. with a five figure salary, um, you would have even put a put through with an emergency fund. Yes, I mean, you should have Yeah, if you're if, you're well, gender-
0: if, if not, then at least you should be making certain investments at least to save tax that's the very least that you could be doing
1: uh, or an epf no more, or an epf because there's an automatic contribution going yes, there yes and so.
0: You, so you've been sa- and you would assume that at least for 18 years in in your in your example you would have been saving uh, so you have a substantial amount of money that you can withdraw. Yes
1: and invariably we've also seen people at the mid or high level positions also having a second house It's real estate because the income levels are reasonably good. So the first thing is done is that, uh, you know, buy a house for investment.
0: That's a very good point, Harsh, because a lot of people who are 40, 45 now actually went through the housing boom and possibly purchased houses then. But let's talk about people who are later in their careers. And this would be a a bit of a different decision because possibly their dependents are less, or maybe they won't have dependents, do they consider doing an early retirement?
1: Yeah. So if you're uh, towards the end of your retirement, in any case, suppose you are, uh, you were going to retire at age 60. And uh, you've been retrenched at say fifty six. Mm. I mean, you know, your chances of getting re-employed are anyways less because anybody who's now looking to hire you knows that you have only le- residual four years of working. Correct. So they might not have a vision for you in the industry in, in your in their own organization. So it could be a situation where you look at and you look at this as an early retirement, mm. and whatever you were planning to do, say probably a freelancing work post sixty, mm. it becomes one chance for you to start doing that at fifty six itself.
0: Okay. Uh, and the one case that we didn't speak about, because it's very unlikely, uh, but very unfortunate if it does happen, if both uh, spouses, that is, if both husband and wife lose their jobs at the same time, that's very, very unfortunate.
1: It's it's going to be disastrous, actually, even from the emotional point of view, because uh, all your sources of income have been, uh, you know, diminished. So the idea is, how do you take care of all your expenses? It's mm. a sudden thing where mm. everything comes on to you, all your sources of income have gone. Mm. So yes, uh, you know, hypothetically, assuming that both were working mm. and uh, you know, they've been prudent and they have saved up. So they will they will have savings. Mm. They will have their EPFs accounts mm. because there are mandatory expenses, uh, ma- mandatory deductions, which are, you know, any is getting accumulated yes so you will have to dip into those kind of uh, investments that you've made hmm. and uh, you know just try and sail through until at least one of you get a job
0: but I think the universal rule harsh is to at that point curtail expenses wherever possible and I think that holds true for all the cases we discussed.
1: Yes, so uh, generically speaking, I mean we're talking about a situation that you don't have a source of income or you have at least one source of income, Mm. one amongst the couple losing their job. Mm. So you have to curtail your expenses, there is no other way. And what you can do is, as we spoke, you can put them in three categories, ones that you cannot avoid at all, Mm -hmm. ones that you can delay and one you can cut down.
0: In fact, uh, you know, we did do a story on this, and it's available on the website, dot com. And one of the points that uh, someone I spoke to was mentioning is that you can have a step down approach. So if you were uh, used to a chauffeur driven car, you can perhaps drive yourself, or you can take an Uber or an Ola or public transport, and thereby curtail your expenses, to that extent
1: there is no choice quite honestly i mean you will have to do that because you don't have a source of income now yeah and uh, you need to at least delay certain
0: expenses and you, even if it requires to cut down your lifestyle
1: expenses you will have to do this mm.
0: so the one thing that we didn't speak about harsh and i think it's very important to talk about is health insurance and one of our first conversation in, in fact the first conversation that we had you said that you can postpone investments if you must to buy all the different types of insurance of which health insurance is one of the most important.
1: Yes. uh, So we've always kind of heard that delay your expenses, but do not delay investments. We've always been hearing this. Yes. In fact, I go one step ahead and say, delay your investments if the need be, but do not delay your insurance. Correct. Because, uh, you know, insurances are those kind of emergency fundings. I mean, if God forbid you've lost a job, you've even lost a cover that your employer was providing yes. you.
0: And if you de- if were depending on that, then it's even worse right now. Absolutely. So it's a
1: disaster for you in that case. And imagine a situation that you're looking at no income for yourself. There mm. are certain expenses we are planning uh, so that you can sustain yourself for the three to six months and over and above that if you have a hospitalization mm. so while you didn't have money or you're planning and you know cutting down your lifestyle cutting down all other expenses to, to so that you can sustain the period of unemployment mm. you have a large expense coming onto your head because of a, a medical emergency mm. i mean that's the last thing that you would want at that point in time yeah and even if it were to happen if you have a medic claim you have a cashless facility in that so at least you can get your family members or
0: yourself treated in that mm. period so it's so always- The rule of thumb, or or what you must do, is even if you do lose your job, you must take a health insurance cover for yourself and for your family um, wherever possible. But you must remember that there are waiting periods on certain illnesses.
1: Absolutely. So, uh, in case you've lost a job and you didn't have an insurance till now, even when you're not in that period of income generation, you still will buy a in, uh, health insurance at that point in time. Mm. And as you rightly mentioned, there is a waiting period, of course. So every time that you buy a policy, it may not be a pre-existing disease, but whenever you've bought a policy, there are certain elements which are not covered for the first three to four years. Mm. So you will still have to wait. And God forbid, if those particular ailments you're diagnosed of, you will still not be paid. So yes. that is the reason we say, buy an insurance as early as possible. So all those waiting periods are taken care of Hmm. by the time if actually any claim comes up.
0: You know, Harsh, we did speak about a few hypothetical cases. But like we established right at the start, a lot of what we do and speak about in personal finance is very uh, personal a very contextual, and it changes from situation to situation. So I would urge all our listeners, if you do know someone who is in this situation of you yourself are facing a tough time with your finances, to write to us on any of our social media platforms, or in fact, on portfolio at BloombergQuinn.com. And we can help you out with your individual problems. But It's been an absolute pleasure speaking to you, Harsh, uh, on this topic. And I do hope that uh, the insights that you've provided will help people out there.
1: Yeah, I'm thankful uh, that we are talking about this. And if there is anybody who benefits a little out of our conversation,
0: it'll be great. Absolutely. And to you, dear listener, I hope that this conversation helped you or hopefully someone that you know. Thanks so much for listening. This is Bloomberg Quint. If you enjoyed Big Decisions, check out some other podcasts on the IVM Podcast Network. You can check out Paisa Vesa, hosted by Anupam Gupta, Advertising is Dead, hosted by Varun Dugarala; the Ronnie Screwwala podcast, hosted by Ronnie Screwwala, or Cyrus Says, hosted by Cyrus Procha. These shows are available on the IVM Podcast website, app, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Hello, everyone. I'm Zain. I'm Avanti. And welcome back to a brand new season of Marbles Lost and Found. A show on mental health and it's stigma and we're kind of making it an open conversation pretty much yeah and we're really really excited about this season because we have a number of guests on and we'll be talking about things like addiction grief children and mental health exactly children and mental health and our listeners have also written in yeah, this yeah and, and thank we have you. an episode dedicated to that yes and guys thank you so much for writing and we really really appreciate it and we're really excited for you to tune in on Tuesdays on the IVM website or app or wherever you get your podcasts from and you can find Marbles Lost and Found on Facebook, or you can find Marbles Lost and Found on Instagram as well. Uh, the handle being Marbles Podcast India. Can't wait for you to tune in. Thank you very much. See you guys soon.
1: Janice, what do you think couples did before TV was invented?
0: I don't know. Go for walks on the beach, long drives, fancy dinners, have more sex, maybe?
1: But what did we do when we decided to move in together? We debated between the Chromecast and the Fire Stick.
0: We gave up on sleeping early so we could stay up watching true crime shows.
1: We got ourselves three cat babies.
0: And basically became the cutest couch potatoes around. Okay then. (laughs) In case you guys still haven't got it, we are a TV crazy, Netflix loving, binge watching Mr. and Mrs. I'm Ani Ritkuha. I'm Janice Iquera. And if
1: like us, you snot TV for breakfast, lunch and dinner, this is the podcast for you.
0: Tune in every Thursday on the IVM podcast app or wherever it is that you get your podcast from. This is Mr. and Mrs. Binge Watch. Watch.